0: I've almost done Yorkshire bingo, I'm one short, I've still yet to talk to a fan of Sheffield United, I've got a few in Lancashire, but as you'd expect from someone who is, after all, half Yorkshire, I was born um, in Watford, but mum's from Hull, so I'm half Yorkshire.
1: Absolutely,
0: Please, please yeah. answer your name, uh, from the New York Talk podcast, all about Rotherham United, Danny, are you there? Yes I am. And what's your role in the show? Do you have a quirk? Uh...
1: I do match previews, match reports and match day vlogs that go up on our YouTube channel.
0: Ah, well, and I'm, unfortunately I haven't seen any of them. So, what's your best one?
1: Uh, so far, view-wise, it's the Sheffield Wednesday one.
0: Mm-hmm. The the Darren Moore derby. As, oh no, no, he was Doncaster, wasn't he? See, I'm even yeah. getting my Yorkshire clubs mixed up. I'll leave that in. And uh, Matt, what is your role in the operation? Uh, I am so
2: host, creator, I suppose. I was the one that, it was my idea to start it 80 months ago or whatever.
0: Oh, I'm sorry I didn't start with you. So, like all great things, no, <laughs> starting during lockdown, have you been back to the New York Stadium?
2: Yes, thankfully so. I first came back was, what, Plymouth? First weekend in August, first yeah. Saturday in August. It was, um, I'm sure Daniel and was it was an, emo- an emotional day, really. Found full, full of back in, and to see that red and white back in New York was... Genuinely, a
1: special moment.
0: Do you concur, Danny?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it just uh, that sensation of being in town and seeing everyone—you know—in the in the red shirts and then into the pubs and then the mass congregation outside the grounds. Granted, that was because of the ticketing system. It it, it was just so nice to see so many people—not not just people my age and people Matt's age, but you know, older people who have, you know, who are. A little bit more COVID vulnerable. They're the ones who came out as well, and it's like, you know what? Fair play, fair play to every single person who's come. Uh,
0: we share something in common because in 2019 we were in one division, in 2020 we were in another, and 2021 we're in another. I hope that there is a branded New York Talk yo-yo to go with the mugs and the t-shirts, <laughs> uh, which you can get at New York Talk uk. I mean, I've just got 18 up, 19 down, 20 up, 21 down, 22, question mark. What is the likelihood of expected promotion, the ex-prom stat? Are you going to go up?
2: Uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's very tough. The League One is the toughest League One I've, I've probably ever seen. Mm. Uh, it's, it's There's probably 14 teams, and that's not an exaggeration, that would be aiming for playoffs obviously on top six you can only get there so we've got a good squad to be fair we've got a really good transfer window in the end it was looking touch and go at times but we've kept our best players brought in what looked like some really good players as well Uh, we haven't signed 20 players like Ipswich or 14 like which for Wednesday but we've had a solid we've we've strengthened when we need to strengthen Uh, got rid of some dead weight in areas as well um, We've as good a chance as anybody It's probably my case yeah. where I
0: could put it really. I just, I'm looking at this table here, it is quite unbelievable. Rotherham starting, we're talking on September 1st, a day after the window slammed shut, and it always slams, it never kind of gently lowers, uh, like a Japanese <laughs> toilet seat. But Rotherham, three wins in the opening um, five games. Wickham, Portsmouth, Wigan, Oxford, Sunderland, who have won four of their five, Sheffield Wednesday, even Plymouth and Bolton, and probably not AFC Wimbledon, um, and Doncaster at the very bottom, um, and you are a contributing factor to that. Was it home or away this week, just gone? Uh, it was at home. At home. Uh, and was it yeah. full? In the Rosamund, more or less was.
1: I was expecting a few more from Doncaster, you know, because we had Sheffield Wednesday the week before, and Sheffield Wednesday sold out their 2,600 allocation. Um, but Doncaster only brought seventeen hundreds, so we're a little bit disappointed that South Stand wasn't full of colour. Um, but now Rotherham have more or less sold out of the home end every game so far. Uh,
0: this is a ground. Uh, I, I would have said you still played at Millmoor, um, because I've, I've not been down to that the League One level. Um, I think rather, have you been to Vicarage Road in recent years personally?
1: I have never been no.
0: No, I haven't been either. No, uh, the Vic is twenty three thousand now, um, and Rotherham's New York is twelve thousand. How big was Milmore all standing in the olden days? Well,
2: our record attendance is something like twenty five thousand. Although, how they ever fit that into Millmore, I will never know. <laughs> uh, its official attendance um, before we left was about eleven thousand.
0: And was this Tony Stewart's dream to build the new stadium?
2: Not really, no the dream was to stay at Milmore when he first took over in wow 2007. the plan was to buy the stadium from who owned it, which was the booth family, and basically redevelop Millmore this you know try and try his best to stay there, but the deal the rental deal that was put in place by the former owners with the booth family who used to own us was unsustainable. it would it almost bankrupted us twice, and if we'd have stayed there it would have eventually bankrupted us. So I think in an ideal world, we would still be at Millmore, probably. Uh, that, that was the original plan. But when it became clear that it was unsustainable financially to stay there because of the rent, uh-huh. no other reason, just because of the rent, we had to leave, and then because we had to leave there, we had to find a new home.
0: And how easy was it to recreate what was going on at Millmore at the New York?
2: I think it's, fairly, I think it's very similar to, to Millmore in that sense. When it's When it's a good... You know, when football grounds for me always depend on the away following. If you get a semi decent away following, the atmosphere is, was always brilliant at Millmore, and, it, and it's the same at New York. Uh, in League One and Two, you tend to get days where you know, there's a 100 or so away fans. It's t- it can be difficult to, for an atmosphere to, to be there, really. But when there's fans in all four sides of the stadium, New York gets rocking just as much as Millmore did. Some people may disagree with that, but it is, a, it is still a great place and a great atmosphere. Uh, New Yorkers for me it matches Millmore although
1: Millmore was very very special
0: Um, When did you both start going? Danny
1: I was a little bit late to the party because um, of financial restraints at the time I didn't get to New York Stadium until 2015 I think so uh, so I'm um, I'm still an infant in terms of going to football matches but even when I walk past Millmore you still get that a bit of a sad feeling looking at it because it has just been left. You've got stands that are crumbling, one stand still half-finished, but the pitch is still immaculate because they've still got the uh, the sports grounds uh, lease on the land, so they have to keep the pitch maintained. That's but crazy. These, um, it, it, it is, and what's even crazier is, um, I don't put this politely, the shenanigans that went off with the EFL and the subsequent points deductions and everything after we left Milmo. They gave us an ultimatum of to be back in the town in four years or you'll be kicked out the Football League. And so the story goes, the first league game at New York Stadium, it wasn't connected to the national grid, so they had to use the backup generators to make sure we stuck to their uh, ultimatum.
0: I didn't know anything about that, the ultimatum. Was this because... The, you hadn't registered the new ground in time. Oh, or it was too far uh, away. It was out with the jurisdiction.
1: What, what it was is, is we went into administration twice in a season. So we got, I think we got docked 12 points to start to start with. And then because we entered administration before the end of that season, we then got hit with minus 17 for the next season. Hmm. And then, and like, like Matt said, with uh, having to leave Millmore, we then went to Don Valley Stadium for four years, which is now the athletics park for Sheffield Hallam University.
0: Is it the Jess Ennis Stadium now? Mm. Have they renamed it? Yeah. Yes, I think it is. Yeah, Yeah, so we went there for a bit. Whilst New York Stadium was being built, fittingly, it's uh, in a place
1: called New York in Rotherham, which is older than the city of New York. So all the fans on Twitter will say, you've named after New York City to get a bit of money. No, we haven't. <laughs> the rumour is it. I don't know if this is true or not, but the story goes that our first game, which was against Burton, uh, we had to use the backup generators because it wasn't connected to the national grid yet.
0: Wow. Well, that's a, that's something that um, AFC Wimbledon didn't have any trouble with in their new stadium. There's loads of new stadia uh, and also yeah. old stadia. Do crews still play at Cresty Road? There in that division, Portland Road, Portman Road, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then um, Adams Park, which is lovely. That'll be a big game later in the season. And, of course, Fratton Park. Um, you're, so you're in the same division now, Rotherham, under the chairmanship of Tony Stewart, the management of, I don't know, Lord Paul Warren, sir. What, you, what honorific do you give Baron?
1: Um, I think for Paul Warren, it's honorary Yorkshireman Paul Warren.
0: That's true. I would have thought, if he'd been a player for so many years and a manager... He'd be from Yorkshire, but he's from just down the coast. He's from Norwich.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Proudly from there as well. He uh, talks about it a lot.
0: Yeah, um, you're never an unproud. He's
2: very, very proud of his roots.
0: It's a wonderful city. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Norwich are two divisions above Rotherham. Although you would have played them last season. That would have been quite nice.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. There's just like ships, yeah, it was... ships meeting in the night. <laughs>
2: He always talks about it. whenever we're playing Norwich. He always talks about it being very emotional for him. Because when he was a kid, that was his club. It wasn't one of these that you know lived in a city, and it wasn't his his town. Norwich City is his club. He talks about that a lot. Uh, fans weren't there last season, but the time before we played them at Norwich with a full house. Any interview you can find, want to talk about, he does get emotional talking about that because that's it. Same as us. If we if we you know if we were professionals going against Rotherham United, be emotional for us. That's the same boat for him. Yeah. Um, because that's his
0: that's Uh We'll talk more about the Sir Ronnie Moore era in the second half when I start asking you to walk down memory lane. Um, but Paul Warren did play a, about 300 times for Rotherham. So there's, I like the fact that there's continuity there. With Watford, I'm speaking the day after, or a couple of days after, the Troy Deeney era has come to a close. It is like a Chinese dynasty, So we're now in the post-Dini era. But that stretches right the way back to the 90s. I mean, the closest we've got is that Ben Foster played for Watford in the Premier League in 2006. But that must unite the nature of the club. It's not a big club, Rotherham, and it never will be because of the size of the stadium and where it is and the fact that you've got two big Sheffield clubs next door. So I just wanted a couple of sentences on what Rotherham United means to you both. Obviously, you've got this New York talk website, and a uh, very busy show. There's several shows a week.
2: There is. <laughs> yeah, we like to keep busy. Yeah, Rotherham United, it's other than family, it's, it's just everything. It's they, they, hit hard, f- f- many of us last year, with not going to football. Uh, I've been watching Rotherham a bit longer than Danny. I started, my first game, I think it was 96, something like that, as a six-year-old. And leading up to Rory Moore days and everything like that, it's just what you do. You go on a Saturday afternoon down to Millwall, down to Dunballi, down to New York. Watch that kit, that red and white kit and those players that we have had some some terrible players down the years, but some great players down the years as well. Um, the away days, just something special. I don't know what it is about... About and I will wind this not strong. Right in South Yorkshire clubs, the away followings that we get in this area are spectacular. And I wish we had a bit of grief at Donny earlier, but in general, the away days you get with these clubs is genuinely amazing. There's some fantastic, amazing away days even in the past five years, but going back longer than that, uh, it's just, you just get this brotherhood between you and your fans, as, as every other club I know. But it just feels special because it's our club, and I'm so glad to be back this year because last year were horrible. Uh,
0: yes, for for several reasons, on and off the pitch. And Danny, yeah. because you're quite a near fight, and you've only been going for a few years, I suppose I should ask when you stumbled into Matt. Was it virtually or physically?
1: It was it was virtually, and it was at the end of last season, because I'm I'm doing sports journalism at uh, Sheffield Hallam, and I used last year as a bit of, right, I can sit down, I can watch matches on the telly, and I can report on them, and, you know, get the ball rolling a little bit, and um, Matt sent me a message saying, do you want to come and write for our website for next season, and it's like, yeah, brilliant, I uh, can go and publish me, my stuff somewhere, and and then people can go and have a look at it and then see what it's all about. But it sort of coincided with me going on a placement year with uni. And my thought process was, it's a no-brainer. I'll ask Matt if he's willing to take me on as a volunt- with a voluntary placement. And then this season will be my placement portfolio. And then that's that done and dusted with no stress because a lot of my mates at uni have found it really hard to find placements because no one's accepting because of you know COVID risks and the uncertainty of being able to get to games and everything. So for me to stumble onto Matt and New York Talk and everyone involved, it sort of all just come together at the right time and it's worked out brilliantly because I can now go on the podcast, I can do scouting reports with them, I can do match previews, match reports and I get to do match day vlogs as a bit of a bonus because they're really fun and, and I get to go and speak to people out in the stands and on the couches and everything.
0: Yeah, soon you'll get recognised because of a, such a small brotherhood of Rotherham fans. I think it's the perfect size club. The, more, the older I get, and I'm 33 and a bit, the more I think that supporting Watford is a bit of a bum steer because we've, we've virtually bought a new team. Who are we going to cheer for? The next for Charlison, this kid Cucho is tearing up the league at the moment, and it will probably go at the end of the season. I'd rather support a team like Rotherham United. R U F C underscore Pod is where you go for that. And thank you, chaps, for helping me tick off Rotherham. You do get your Football Library membership cards. Now, do you want Richard Wood or Paul Warn to adorn your Football Library membership cards?
2: You asking? You can't I've, got to Paul <laughs> I've got to go Paul Warren I've got to go Paul Warren I remember him playing and now as a manager he's, he, for me he
1: epitomises everything that's good about Rotherham United so I'd have to go Paul Warren I, I might have to agree with Matt and go for Paul Warren I've just had a quick look at his his stats for the club and it's like you say it's nearly 300 games played and 230 managed so he's, he is he's, he's like Mr Rotherham United of the modern era
0: so yeah. I'll have to go Paul Ward as well that you're so lucky to have him he is one of the longest serving managers in the top four divisions I suppose only what is it Deich Klopp Coleman
1: but I think gets... Ainsworth's Ainsworth, Ainsworth been there yeah Ainsworth, Ainsworth, been there. Ainsworth is there yes and I, and I think Guardiola as well he's been at Man City for a bit hasn't he,
0: he... maybe by like days, maybe days ahead of Paul Warren uh, someone will check that um, but yeah and I wanted to just give you the choice with Richard Wood because he seems to be um, the other big name at the club the club captain who scored two goals in a famous playoff match but I want you to name the other ten players who managed to go hang on what was this to go up in 2018 I was so shocked even at the goalkeeper uh, who can't get a place in the Fulham team so why hasn't the goalkeeper come back to Rotherham
2: oh yeah, well Rodak. No, we'll no. start with him. He's, I, I do. Yeah. We, love, we love him. He, we, he was such a good keeper. He, he, we, the, I, I my opinion is he came a boy and left a man. The fact that he can't get in the Fulham team is a little bit of a travesty because he is superb keeper. He, he's an international? He's played for he Slovakia.
0: Yes, he's um mm. um Oblak or um Dubravka, One of the two. He's his number two. And it, yes, well, it's a, yeah, it's a horrible shame. So yes, um, Richard Wood at the back. Who is his defensive partner?
2: would have been a big Semi Ajay, It was now at West Brom, tearing it up.
0: Yes, yeah. a name I definitely know, and my friend Dan will have seen Ajay several times. What kind of defensive partnership was it? Was it big man, big man?
2: Uh, not really, Danny, it? it were big man and the man who was just clever. Richard Wood is a wrecking ball, but Semi Ajay is one of the best technical defenders. He can battle in there, don't get me wrong, but technically one of the best defenders I've seen
1: at this level, Danny, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, when he... Uh... He came on loan from Ipswich. I was think it was Cardiff. Was it Cardiff? Oh, I just remember they played in blue. Yeah, he, he had that bit about him, but he was very uh, greenhorn with it all. And then he came on permanently. Again, he was a little bit greenhorn to start with. But then we just sort of moulded him into this all-round technical defender. And he's one of them players where you want him to stay with your club for quite a bit because he was that good. But we all knew inevitably he would leave. And, uh, and he ended up going to West Brom for about one and a half million, Oof. something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he was a very all-round defender. And and, and and even though he's he's a lot taller than Richard Woods, I think he's got about three or four inches on him, he was the better on-the-ball defender. And Richard Woods just used to plough through people and plough his head into the ball and, and all <laughs> that. So, so, so yeah, it, it was a little bit big man, big man, but one of them, was a wrecking ball. One of them was a technical on the ball player.
0: And that's very shrewd. Uh The fullbacks,
1: uh, Matic and Emmanuel. Yes, I think. yes.
0: I think one of one or both is still at the club.
2: Matic is Emmanuel. Yeah. I think is might be at Bolton. It's been it's been around a bit since left us.
0: And they they both. I hope they keep their medals from the playoff final of twenty eighteen. Stupid question. Do you know who you beat? Shrewsbury Town that is yeah. yes ex-Rotherham player Paul Hurst Shrewsbury Town mm. name the two famous Englishmen who played in the Shrewsbury team
1: Dean Henderson Dean Henderson second one caught me
0: um. he um, was on loan from uh, a club very close to your manager's heart
2: uh, Ben Godfrey
0: the very young Ben Godfrey was almost ever present so yes you managed mm. to get the best of uh, that team. And we might as well deal with Paul Hurst now. 15 years a player, a mainstay of Ronnie Moore's Rotherham United. Uh, Matt, you must have seen him dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Why was he so brilliant?
2: He was just reliable. He was always there. He was only a short short lad, although he did win his fair share of headers. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a local he's not I think he's from Sheffield, uh, but he is a local lad. Yeah, he, he, the left-back's not the most glamorous position. Nowadays and back in the 90s, it certainly was in the early 2000s. It was just sort of a functional position, but he also had a very, very good left foot. He ended up taking free kicks, scoring some beauties, to be fair. You could just count on him very rarely, Until only towards the end of his career, picked up injuries. But before that, he was just never injured. We tried replacing him a couple of times. We brought in Scott Minto, formerly mm. Chelsea and West Ham, um, who did play, but again, Paul Hurst was just there, waiting in the wings, and then found his place back. Uh, through the thing through the administration, through the dark early mid nineties days, some bad times in there as well. He's, he's a funny, funny case. Not, because, because of he's gone to manage other clubs, he, I think I'm not sure the younger fans appreciate him because he's gone on to have different days at Rotherham. But he was a very, very, very good left back. Very good.
0: And he is now manager of.
1: Dinsby.
0: Yes, for the second time. Uh, he was there for about five years before he joined Shrewsbury. Uh, but yes, apart from one season at the very, very, very end of his career, a one club man and thus probably in your best 11, uh, would any of the midfielders or forwards from the 2018 playoff winning League One side get in a best 11 of the last 25 years? Um,
1: Michael Smith, definitely
2: up there.
0: Yeah, we'll get to him. Yeah, uh, Will Volks was a very good midfielder, very, very good midfielder. I
2: don't think he's stopped with us long enough for us to push on. But Will Volks, Paul one has this mantra of good human beings. And Will Volks, who is now at Cardiff, just had that in abundance. And on the pitch, he was a fighter. He really was really, really aggressive. Yeah. Um, but talk about his off-the-field stuff, he was an ambassador for Rotherham Hospice... And they adored him, you know, for the one of the local charities. He just did; he couldn't, he could not have done enough for them. Will Voggs was a superb player. I, I, I like Wilvoks. I've got a lot of time for him on the pitch and off the pitch as well. I'm a like
0: big, big, fan. I, I did notice at NewYorkTalk.co.uk you you as a, a show support Rotherham Hospice. Uh, that must have been mm. a horrific eighteen months for them. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it, the the, the, uh, the
1: way we sort of um, took well Rotherham Hospice on as our like, official link charity, and we have got. A go me going in an auction going up soon, but we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, because there's a lot of stories to that. But it just so happened that the first away game of the season, it was a uh, like a picture day. It's the away day that I go with. For them raising a lot of money for Roswell Hospice and I got talking to their um, fundraising uh, manager, if you like, mm-hmm. and I told her about New York Talk and what we were doing and she said, we'd love you to help out with us as well. And and so we sort of became linked with them. The last 18 months, oh, how much did she say that they lost? I think they took at least a, a £3 million hit in terms of in terms of like, uh, just from like bake sales and little uh, out-of-the-boot sales and stuff. It, it was a big hit for them. And Robin Hospice is very close to my heart because they looked after my, uh, my gran uh, towards the end of her life, and the service provides amazing. And for us just to be linked with them is great. And they're saying that this year it's probably going to be one of their best years because they're able to do a lot more stuff, and a lot more people are raising money for them, which is brilliant
0: yeah, right. to see.
1: Absolutely That's brilliant.
0: Spectacular. And if you want a mug, I might buy a mug because, or actually, I know what I've got my eye on. Can you explain the slogan, ambitious but brilliant, that adorns the t shirts that you're selling? That must be a, a quote or something.
2: Yeah, that goes back to another playoff success uh, Wembley 2014, um, another League One playoff final. Uh, 2 0 down at half time to Leighton Orient. And then Alex Rell gets a goal back, 2 1 back in the game. And the 60th minute, Alex Ravel scores one of the greatest goals Wembley's ever seen. Um, from about, generally about 35 yards out, and it's a sky commentator. That it, the commentary goes forward towards Ravel, ambitious but brilliant <laughs> as it lands in the back of the net. Um, I think it's probably on YouTube. It is, I, I, we see this as Rotherham fans, but it's, it's a spectacular bit of commentary. I can't remember who the, who the commentary guy is, one of the Football League guys, but it is just, it's now iconic bit of commentary. Oh. A though is robbed And Pringle Looking towards Agard Ravel
0: Ambitious But brilliant I don't believe it I swear I do not believe it Alex Ravel With his second against his old club And they are back on terms A lot of goal was special This is out of this world Because he knows exactly What he wants to do with Alex Ravel As this ball breaks his way He sees Jamie Jones off his line And he puts in the most perfect dipping volley you are ever going to see. And this is not easy. Consider the occasion, the pressure that he's under when the ball breaks his way. This is sublime. It is magnificent finish. Knows what he wants to do. Then it's about technique. It's about confidence. And what an equaliser that is. I popped in the Jimmy Glass moment uh, when I was discussing Carlisle United. So, yeah, famous commentaries. Do you not think that, and you've been watching football for a long time on telly, it's not as good as it was...
2: What, the commentary or the
0: football? <laughs> the, the, the the billiard pitches that they play on with these skillful players who earn millions. Uh, never has an average footballer been so rich. I watched Watford lose to Brighton, and there was a bit too much banter. I almost can't watch any Gary Neville commentary, because it starts to be about him. And Martin mm-hmm. Tyler's just fulfilling a contractual obligation. He's like a, a band on an 80s record label just fulfilling his contract, because he's... That will get him retirement money. But I will make sure that I look out for Rotherham being on the telly because some of these games this season, they might be moved. But if you're going go to go, I, I imagine that there are 23 Saturday 3pm kickoffs or Tuesday at 7.45. It's that kind of club. Uh, but it would be nice to get that kind of commentary. So, yes, ambitious but brilliant. Just to finish going through the 11 from 2018, Towel, is that his name?
2: Yeah, Richard Towell. Yeah. He was from Ireland. I think he's back playing for somebody in Ireland now. He was a pretty good it's, player. Chased uh, the Rovers, to... I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he then... chased the money to Salford. Didn't go, work, didn't
0: go great. No, Salford are a fun club. Um, I haven't spoken yeah. to any Salford City supporter. I'll try and get Gary Neville, who co owns it. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Ball <laughs> Newell. These are proper. I don't know why I didn't in the Newcastle accent. A proper British footballer's <laughs> names. Taylor Ball Newell. Any good?
1: Sure, Newell's that's, quite that's, good. Yeah, I'd <laughs> say that. out of the three, Newell was the better one. I mean, Taylor's at, at Doncaster. He uh, tried to follow the championship dream and it fell, well, fell flat on his face doing it. Now he's at Doncaster. Newell is at... Oh, I think he's at yeah, yeah, he's doing well there. And I haven't really kept up with David Ball. Is he... Where's he now? He went, he went to New Zealand. He was playing for Wellington oh, Felix yeah. in,
2: the, in the A-League. I think he's still there. It did a, a local paper did a piece with him, uh, probably a year or so ago, pre-Covid. Uh, and I think he's really, really enjoying it. Wasn't it was obviously a lovely place to live. I think he's yeah. loving life down there.
0: Yeah, with their three Covid cases and hyper-lockdown. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting period. This will go out probably in November. We don't know if there'll be a wave. There was something on the news saying that it's been the most deaths reported per day. Since March, so we still have a problem in this country. Are you not a bit frightened about being in open spaces and um, under crofts with the pride of South Yorkshire's fanatics and getting COVID nineteen? I think me and Danny are pretty lucky in terms of our ages. Double, double jabbed,
2: um, and our ages are pretty, you know, pretty safe. Pretty young, fit, healthy guys. Um, like Danny mentioned, to start seeing them, so the older generation come back to New York was a little, maybe for me, a little bit of a surprise, but at the same time, a positive that they had that. You know, wanted to, they wanted to come out and support the club. Uh, I assumed they would. I assumed they would have been double jabbed as well. Hopefully, yeah, I, it was just so long. It felt like it was time we need to sort of learn to live with live with it a little bit. And this was a big step. I don't know about Danny, but I I don't go to any of the large events. I'm not really a music goer. You know, good at pubs, so often things like that. But football is my one and only place I'll go, large crowds, and I sort of think it's uh, time, double jabbed. It's worth the risks
1: to have that enjoyment of life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Daddy.
1: The only other places I go is I sometimes go into Sheffield out with my mates. For, for me, I've had experience of my mum catching Covid before anyone really knew what it was. and oh. Thankfully, my uncle works in um, pharmaceuticals. And uh, we sort of like described the sim- what we watched she went through and he's like, Yeah, that was COVID before anyone really knew what it was. Um but then we ended up catching it again after I went to go and watch England against Germany at um at Code in Sheffield. But the vaccines have taken it down so much, it's taken it down from essentially a you know, a lethal thing to it just feels like a bad case of the cold. Which yeah. is incredible. Incredible. So for me, because I've been through that, it's like a little bit of a... It, put you, it puts your mind at ease. But at the same time, because my mum's on the um, on the vulnerable list and my granddad's touching on nearly 100 now, so there's still that little bit of doubt in my mind of, should I be, should I be doing that? And, it's in, and if it's in, like, a really big, crowded, but confined space, it's like, yeah, put, put your mask on and sanitizer just to be a bit cautious about it. But like Matt says, you can't, like, live your life being confined and being scared of the virus because it will probably never go away. It will always linger somewhere. So now that we've got the option to go out and enjoy yourselves, do it
0: as much as you can, but safely. That's my motto anyway. Indeed.